Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. From the obscure, he would smoke a cigarette in the corner of the dugout until the first Orioles batter was retired, after which he would stub it out, throw it away, and then go sit on the same spot on the bench. To the obsessive compulsive. He would take batting practice at exactly 517, and he would do wind sprints at precisely 717. Superstitions in baseball, more than any other sport really, have a tendency to run wild. And Mike, we're talking about them this week because of a very specific inanimate object. Los Angeles Dodgers center fielder James Outman keeps a pet rock in his locker. You know, pet rocks first went on sale back in 1975. I'm old enough to remember it. And they were popular for about a week and then faded into history until, I guess, James Outman rediscovered them. Well, now I'm curious, did you have one when they came out? I did not. It was not going to go spend $5 on a rock. You could have picked that up outside. Exactly. Well, Outman must be doing something right because he reached the big leagues for the first time last season and has been an everyday player for the Dodgers this year. I'm Mike Rogers, and this is Something Off Beat. That's one of our producers, Chris Blake, and I think this is a favorite episode for both of us because we're both big baseball fans. And I spoke with author Jason Turbo, who has written several books on the sport, including The Baseball Codes, a look at the game's unwritten rules. But we're going to start a little differently this week. We've talked about being based in Dallas before, so hard-nosed investigative reporter that he is, Chris headed out to the ballpark recently when the Dodgers were in town to play the Texas Rangers, and he tracked down Outman and his pet rock. Where did the rock originate? How did it get started? Uh, Last year, I got called up to AAA, and a few games in, one of the pitchers came up to me and goes, hey, like, we used to have this for the pitchers, and it brought us good luck, but we started giving up too many hits, so... uh, here you go, he's good for hitting now. So, do you think it's paid off for hitting? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it worked pretty good last year, and then ever since then, it's kind of been a placeholder for my glove and decoration in my locker. Do you think baseball lends itself to superstition more than other sports, maybe just because of, like, the day-to-day routine aspect of it? Yeah, I think I think that's part of it, and a lot of it is, like, there's so much that's out of your control that you're just, like, whenever I can get some luck, like, if I believe that I'll be lucky, maybe I'll, I'll get some luck out of it. So, Chris, did he have any reservations about talking to you about the pet rock? He really didn't. I thought he might, but he was just hanging out on a couch in the clubhouse before batting practice and was happy to talk about it for a few minutes. Did you actually get to see the rock? I did, and it was sitting in his glove just like he said it would be. He was happy to let me and another reporter take a quick photo of it, which you can see in the article for this episode on Odyssey's local news sites. So was it a big rock, like like baseball-sized, or are we talking a little pebble here? Probably just a little bit smaller than baseball-sized. Okay. All right. Anything written on it? There's a smiley face drawn on it. <laughs> is there really? There okay. is. <laughs> but as a longtime observer of baseball, Jason Turbo was not particularly shocked by the pet rock. What was your reaction when you first heard about this? Nothing new here? 
absolutely nothing new here. Like, like he's just the latest in a long line of, of guys who do that kind of stuff, partly because it's fun and funny and partly because it distracts from the monotony of a long routine and maybe because it actually means something. I mean, look at uh, the obvious, the obvious cultural reference here is Joe Boo from the, the movie Major League, which, you know, he, if you look at that fictionalized account, it's not so far from the truth. That player put a lot of importance on the little doll he kept in his locker, and, and as went that doll, so went he. Mike, if you've ever seen Major League, one of the most memorable characters is Pedro Serrano, an outfielder who keeps a small doll on the shelf in his locker, and he famously gives Joe Boo rum before every game. That's right, and he said it, it's very bad to steal Joe Boo's rum. When a guy's hot, when a guy is hitting well, they have a hitting streak going, or they've hit two home runs in the last three days, they'll make sure the bat, you know, it's almost uh, kind of like the movie Major League with Pedro Serrano and Joe Boo. It becomes very, like, religious superstitious. That's Mike Bassick, a former big league pitcher and a host on Odyssey's 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Everything you have to do to keep the streak going, to keep the hot streak going with the bat and make sure the bat stays hot. And while it's not quite rum, Outman says he had to hydrate his pet rock due to a winning streak last season. I was like goofing off and like, I'm like, oh, he's thirsty. And like I like poured coffee in its mouth. And then and then I, we won and I had a good game. And I was like, well, I got to do that again, I guess. Now, at 26, Outman is a young player, although a lot of veterans are just as, if not more, superstitious. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, you can pull up a, a million examples. But when I, when I think of totems, you know, being a Bay Area guy, um, I think of Barry Zito with the A's, who, you know, in his heyday of, of winning Cy Youngs with, with Oakland in the 90s, people began to talk about how he would travel with these velvet pillows and these stuffed animals and these scented candles. He did. And, you know, if, if, if it helped him pitch better, God bless him for it. And he ultimately later on as a, as a more veteran pitcher admitted that he kind of did a lot of that stuff just for the care and feeding of his own kind of rock star surfer dude image. But nonetheless, it, it all served a purpose. Every sport has superstitions, but baseball just, they seem to take it to another level. Do you, do you find that's true? Absolutely, I find that's true. I mean, baseball, unlike the other sports, plays 162 games over the course of six months. Um, and they rarely practice other than before the games they play that night. So routines become just absolutely paramount to these guys. Um, it's, it's just dominated. They, they, they get to the ballpark and they do their thing in the clubhouse and they eat certain specific food and they take batting practice at a certain time and they return to the clubhouse to change into their game uniforms. And all of these things... For some guys, have to happen on a schedule, and for some guys, they they imbue meaning to any of it or all of it. I mean, even the non-superstitious hew closely to routines. Like there's there's value to be held there. But if you're willing to turn everything you do into a totem, the routine gains extra meaning. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. They think that that it begins when the player walks out on the field, takes batting practice or whatever. A lot of this begins when they wake up in the morning. Oh, yeah. I mean, for some pitchers, it begins with the meal they eat the night before they pitch. And that was the case for Bassick. He spent five years in the major leagues with the Guardians, the Mets, the Rangers, and the Nationals. In his case, the pregame meal that had more to do with what he didn't eat. 
I love Chili's the restaurant, but after eating at Chili's and having a couple bad outings, having a pregame meal at Chili's, I would not eat at Chili's anymore if I was pitching. So Chili's was out. I'd like going to it, but I made sure I was not pitching on the night I would eat at Chili's for lunch. So knowing that from Mike Bassick, if you were a ball player, Mike, would you have a pregame meal that you could eat 162 times a year? Probably. I, I would eat something, first of all, that I liked, but also something that would make headlines. Because there's no such thing as bad publicity, right? Right. So maybe fried pickles or liver and onions. And yes, I do like both of those, by the way. I can get on board with the fried pickles. I don't know about the liver and onions. Smother it in ketchup. For me. <laughs> it blunts the taste. For me, my favorite meal in the world is chicken strips and french fries. I know I'm a child. But I don't feel like that would necessarily fuel athletic performance, so I'd probably go with some sort of pasta with a chicken or a shrimp or something on it. Something semi-healthy like that. Semi. Sounds pretty good. But you'd have to go with a few varieties, of course. you got to make sure you have options in case you get into a slump. But while not eating at Chili's was just one superstition Mike Bassick had, it wasn't the only one. I would always hop over the line or step over the line with my right foot. So I would not touch the foul line. It had to be right foot first. If it was left foot first, it was wrong. And if I touched the line, it was really wrong. And then if I had a bad inning, I would kick the line as I would leave uh, the mound, blaming the line, not my pitching. I would always put on right sock first and then left sock. And then the other things that I would just say become more routine-ish. Some people could say, oh, they're superstitious, but I made sure at this time I was doing this. And, and to me, that became more routine. So some people would look at that, oh, that's very superstitious. At 6.07, you would get on the bike for 10 minutes and ride the bike for exactly 10 minutes. But that was the routine to get myself ready for the game. But I think the other things that I just mentioned are way more superstitious than, yes, they cause me to be good or bad at baseball. Knowing what you're going to do and when you're going to do it, especially given that you are in a new city, like every four to five days when you're not at home, like you, you got to dial it in. Um, and it, it really helps people stay kind of focused and regular while, while flying across different time zones. But also there's so much downtime in a ballpark. I mean, you, you talked about how it's not just showing up for batting practice and playing the game. Guys show up five hours early, six hours early, and they have a lot of time to think about why things happen on the field. So when I, when I think about superstition, I think about it as a matter of control, right? So much that happens in baseball is out of a player's control. Um, you know, from travel plans to manager's decisions to whatever pitch is going to be thrown next, the hitter has no control over any of it, but holding on to these totems gives a player control over something or at least the illusion of control over something. Superstitious is, hey, did putting on a right sock really make me better or worse at baseball? No. But did making sure that I went through my stretching routine properly, that everything was timed out, that I was in the dugout exactly three minutes before I went out to the mound to warm up for the first inning? I think those things actually you can correlate to, hey, did you feel rushed? Or did you feel ready? If you felt rushed because you were off your time, that really did affect your uh, performance. And this is nothing new. How far back does this go? Oh my God, it goes all the way back. I mean, I think about you know Frank Chance, the Hall of Famer for the Chicago Cubs in the 19 aughts, you know, in the very first decade of, of that century, would only 
travel in Sleeping Births number 13. If his Sleeping Birth card didn't have a birth number 13, he would write number 13 on whatever whatever birth he ended up with. Like, the people have always been been the superstitious. Did it work? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, he made the Hall of Fame, so, so maybe it did. What are some of your other favorites? The guy I love most is probably one of the most superstitious figures in, in big league history. Um, and his name is Mike Cuellar. If you're a baseball fan of, of our vintage, you probably remember, remember him. If, if you're not, you probably don't. He was a very good pitcher for the Orioles in the 1970s. And the guy, like, soup to nuts, was just a, su a superstitious freak. He would travel only in blue. Blue suits, blue shirts, blue ties. Um, the night before he pitched, we, we referenced this a, a moment ago, he would eat only Chinese. He wouldn't take the field until his catcher had both shin guards on, which made some awkward moments when the shin, when the catcher was on base at the end of the inning and had to come back to the dugout and took some time to get geared up. Cuellar would not leave the bench. He would not catch a ball thrown to him when they were returning it to the mound between plays. He would sidestep any ball that came his way and then pick it up off the ground. The most clear-cut example of Cuellar's superstition was that he would only pitch with his lucky cap to the point that the Orioles once made a road trip to Milwaukee, I believe, and he forgot his cap at home. And he he forced the team to courier it to Wisconsin before he would take the mound, except that the cap they sent was his practice cap, not his game cap, and he refused to pitch. Now, a more recent example involves a former A's and Yankees first baseman. Remember Jason Giambi? Giambi decided at some point, I think it was 2008, that, you know, he needed he needed some good luck. He had been an, an MVP very recently, and I guess he was scuffling a little bit. And so he, he decided to break out this golden thong. And, you know, he ended up hitting 30-something home runs that year, so, so maybe it worked. But I, I think the true power in that was the idea he planted in others, right? You're Jason Giambi. You're, you're a borderline Hall of Famer, like he was for a while. He was putting up those kind of numbers. So a couple of years later, in San Francisco... Aubrey Huff, Giants player Aubrey Huff, broke out what he dubbed the Rally Thong. This is 2010. And the Giants went on to win the World Series that year. And the Rally Thong was no small piece of their lore. Like, he held that thing up at the uh, at the victory parade. So there might be something to lingerie. So to summarize the great line from the classic movie Bull Durham, if you believe you're playing well because you're wearing women's underwear, then you are. Who is the most superstitious player in the game today, right now? That's a good question. I honestly don't know. I mean, people are so online and and things take on such a life on their own. I think guys are, are more guarded than ever about that kind of stuff, um, especially when it means something. I think I think with James Outman and his pet rock, a lot of that's just good fun and 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 they're happy to like put it out for everybody to see. But for the people who are truly superstitious, I don't know that they're really giving it up as, as much as they used to. And even Outman admits this might be all in his head. I think we all know that, you know, having a rock in my locker is not going to get me hits. Um, but, you know, if, if it might help, then sure. I'm Mike Rogers. Thanks so much for listening to Something Offbeat. This episode written and produced by Lauren Berry and Chris Blake. 
Audio editing by Chris Blake. Original music by Myron Kaplan and editorial support from Cooper Mall. And I keep listening. Subscribe to us on the Odyssey app or Spotify or Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got your own offbeat story that you think we should cover, please send it to us at somethingoffbeat at odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 